When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, and joining me is Sergio Rodriguez. What up, Gules? <laughs> and today we're talking Champions League, of course. Barcelona came into this game trailing PSG by three goals, managed a 1-1 draw, but of course that wasn't enough. Still, in this match, Lionel Messi reminded us yet again of his football mastery with a goal that could leave you speechless. Let's get into this. So this is Barca's first round of 16 exit since uh, 2006-2007. That's 14 years they've gone at least getting to the quarterfinals in the Champions League. So, Serge, how do you feel about leaving the Champions League at this point? You know what? I guess I, I, I saw progress, right? From the first game we had with PSG to the second game, uh, we definitely improved. We we actually dominated the game, bro. Uh, you know, th- we had like 70% possession. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe PSG had the wrong game plan where they came out very defensive, and we looked to attack. So, obviously, we had a, a four-goal deficit, and we came out guns blazing, and then busy, man. Like, how many more attempts do you need to score a freaking goal? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I I have a I have a plan to we'll, <laughs> we'll sort of talk about all all of those uh, all of his chances later on. But uh, I don't know though. At the same time, I, I hear you. It did seem like they dominated the match, but I think you have to take into account the fact that PSG was already ahead. They were trying to hold on to a lead. And by the way, that was the one thing they did that Barca couldn't do for two years in a row which was hold on to a first leg lead. Hold on to a lead and not cough up a penalty. Jeez. <laughs> like what a recurring thing with Longlet, man. Freaking Clement, you know? I was getting mm. pinged by my buddies like, we got to get rid of this dude. And I'm like, you know, he's only 25. He's a left-footed center back. He's just having a bad year. He has been fouling a lot more this year than uh, last year. So I don't know if he's feeling like maybe he's losing fitness or it could be that he's playing so much that he's he just can't get any get enough rest you know what i was i listened to alejandro and uh, mariana on adn barça and they they cited some stat that longled is responsible for four out of nine of our pk's we given this season <laughs> i was like dude you're you're, you're a freaking hazard bro you don't want to be that guy <laughs> I wouldn't want to be that guy. Maybe he sees that as just like that's his job because he's a center back. Yeah, you know, in this game, I was also I was I was surprised, you know, given all our defensive injuries that Coleman came out with with a, a three four three three five two. He stuck with three in the back, and and he gave them confidence, and 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 it showed that they were familiar with the system, and uh, you know, it it kind of it boosted everybody's hopes, you know, because they've been trending up. 
You know, they've been playing in this formation now, what, for four or five games? And they've been playing pretty good and dominating, and he kept with it. You know, I really, really thought he was going to go to a 4-3-3. And no, man. So, you know, I give... I give props to Coleman for for sticking with it, giving giving the players the the benefit of the doubt of playing in that system against this team. Yeah, well, I mean, on paper it kind of looked like a four three three, but then like Alba and Dest, they were pushing up just like they have been with the three five two, and then either Busquets or De Jong would drop back, and that was in attack. And so I was just assuming that whenever PSG was coming in with an attack, then the fullbacks would actually drop and be more defensive but like Dest didn't really do that he didn't really drop back I can't remember if Alba did I just remember seeing Mingesa isolated against Mbappe (laughs) and that's why he committed four (laughs) fouls and got one yellow card and got taken off in the 35th minute but actually that is that's another thing that's gonna that's on our uh, shopping list for today on the laundry list for today we'll talk about that a little bit later but so like the headline of the match recap on Barca's website the day after the game was quote pride restored does that feel about right to you? That the do you think they restored their pride? I I think Brian, you got to put it in context with what went on this week, right? We got a new president, right? Uh-huh. We got Laporta, so we okay. we were tr- we were. What does that have to do with this game, though? What it, does that have to do with just, restoring pride with the draw? The the optimism, right? We're headed in the right direction. We we dominated this game. We just didn't get the goals, and it shows that we are trending correctly, and that. I'm going to come out and say it, Brian. Messi's mm-hmm. staying. Gabe's okay. going to get mad. He's going to get <laughs> right now. He's here. He's somewhere. He's crying. He is staying. Gabe, he's staying. I mean, it really just comes down to whether Laporta can convince him to. Right. And he, and he, he essentially campaigned on the platform that, like, I can convince Messi to stay. Not no. not only that, he has a great relationship with Mino Raiola. And I think Holland's on his way. Yeah, I think I saw something uh, just earlier. I think it was on Saturday. Something like um, Laporte is going to go after Holland regardless of whether Messi stays or not. That's on his list of things to do. Yeah, that's a given. You look at those other free transfers, right? You got freaking uh, Aguero. You got uh, Alaba from Bayern Munich. Depay is also possibly a free transfer. So there's a lot of good players that are free transfers, but we don't have to uh, spend a lot of money. We just got to sell like nine players. <laughs> that's the yeah well yeah we don't have a lot of money to to spend so we're gonna have to do some unloading right 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 but i think you know going back to this game uh <clears throat> yeah there is optimism and i think because you know uh Dembizi had so many shots it showed that the the opportunities were there right so when you look at our xg we had an xg of around 255 258 uh you know messi had a 0.75 xg with that penalty kick that he missed yeah and, and that that super shot right that wonder shot that he made 0.01 xg so he makes the most difficult shot <laughs> and doesn't make the uh, high probability one. right so okay but that's, i mean like penalties are just on their own kind of statistical plane you know and then so the rest of the xg must go to freaking dembele who was missing everything pretty much and, yeah. and if you were listening to the spanish broadcast you know they have risto stoichkov over here in the u.s and he was like dude Dembele, look up. Stop <laughs> stop trying to kill the ball into the net and rip the net. Look up, take your time, and locate your shot. And I think he was just being rushed. And, you know, he's not a natural striker, right? So you can right. see some of that. I mean, but if Risto Soishkov says it, I think you should probably listen to it. Now, uh, PSG <laughs> are going to be joined by Dortmund, Liverpool, and Porto for sure, with four more quarterfinalists to be determined this week, would you rather see PSG win or lose? I'm always curious about the uh, the philosophy about how you feel about the team that beats your team. Hell 
no. <laughs> <laughs> Screw those bastards. Freaking Pochettino's okay. a freaking Espanol brat, you know. I, okay. I could care less, man. I hope they lose. Jeez. Great. You know, Neymar's Great. out there freaking visiting his sister having a party or something, you know. You could, are you, you, I think I've seen it on Twitter for the last eight years. This dates Neymar's not around. He's either injured or at his at his sister's party. So, well, he was in the stands for this match. Oh, he, he was, was in Paris. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, he flew he her. In. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, my I have a philosophy about this, which is like I always want to see the team. Normally, I like to see the team that beat my team go all the way and win it all, because then that means that my team was beaten by the the best. But this time, I just can't. I I can't get root for PSG in any way. I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm with you on this. Right. No, obviously we have bad relations with them, right? I think you saw it on uh, leading up to this game, right? It's like the, the ultras are, are in full effect, just bashing us, uh, even vice versa. When they came to Barcelona, we were bashing them. No, I can't support them. I think when you look at the, the, the favorites, Bayern and Man City, uh, I think one of those two are, are probably going to take it. And, and, you know, Bayern's a better team and Man City has unlimited funds. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> But I think, yeah, of, of that whole group, I would, at this point, I would most want to see Man City, I think, take it personally. Yeah, I but, think it'll, it'll be a crowning achievement for uh, Pep, right? You know, interesting stat. Le- past the first of the year, other than Man City, Barcelona has been playing the best of any other team in the world. So, well, by what by what measure? I think uh, points. Points earned. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, just points earned. Yeah. Well, that's a good measure. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm telling you, Cules have optimism, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping Laporta keep, uh, keeps coming. You know, I think that's the big mm-hmm. issue going on right now. Well, we'll get into some of the specifics of this 1-1 draw, like how Barca did not convert nine of their ten shots on target, including a penalty kick, the fact that eight young players appeared in the match, how Oscar Mangueso went full thug on Kylian Mbappe, and how Serginho Dest is neither a great winger nor a great fullback, at least not yet, all of that right after this break. Welcome back. Barcelona's Champions League exit was all but assured after the 1-4 loss to PSG in the first leg. But let's look at some of the details of this 1-1 draw from last week. You know, you can't completely isolate it from the first leg, of course, because PSG were more concerned with holding on to a lead they already had than winning a single, like, one-off game. But, you know, let's see what we can do. So I want to start by looking at Barca's shooting. They took 21 shots, had 10 on target, scored one. They did get a penalty kick in the added time of the first half, and Navas saved Messi's shot, as we've already mentioned. Messi went low and not too far to one side. Navas went the right way. Had he gone the other way, you know, would have been a goal. That's the way it goes sometimes with penalties. But Messi did have a chance to score that one goal in the 37th minute. Mbappe had already scored on a penalty kick earlier, so this was what leveled the game. And it was one of those goals that would make you believe in a comeback. From 30 meters out, that's 33 yards, just laying into it. Navas had no chance. But apart from that goal and the penalty kick, as you've already alluded to, Dembele had the best chances, right? He took four shots, but three of them were on the ground, pretty easy for Navas to save. And the one time he tried to go high, it went way, way, way too high. (laughs) So I just want to say Mbappe doesn't actually excite me much as a player. Dembele actually excites me more. 
Uh, and maybe that's just because of the jersey he wears. But if you look at Mbappe, he is very fast. He takes a lot of shots, and his on-target shooting is considerably higher than Dembele's. So I believe that if Dembele took more shots and worked on his finishing to get on target more, he would ultimately be a bigger deal than Mbappe in the uh, in the p- public conversation. So what did you think of Barca's shooting overall and Dembele's in particular? I agree with you, right? Uh, Mbappe is more direct, and he's more clinical, right? If you compare them, you know, but but at the same token, Dembele, you know, as a defender, if you see him coming at you, he's so unorthodox and herky-jerky <laughs> that I might break an ankle backing up, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> it's he scares me, you know? And, and, and maybe I, I would, I would, um, I would let him shoot with, with his left foot more than his right foot. Uh, and, uh, cause he has no experience, uh, being up front as a striker. So as a striker, he probably doesn't scare me as much as Mbappe. Mbappe is a little bit stronger, a little bit more direct, and he's a finisher. Uh, and obviously we've seen from this game, you know, Dembele had a lot of chances and he just, the, the, the commentators on TV were getting frustrated. They were like, come on, man. Cause, cause Brian, if we would have had with these comebacks, you got to have an early goal, like within five minutes. You got you got to have a goal, and Debele within 12, 15 minutes, he already had two clear chances, and he missed it. So yep. that would have set us in the right direction, and, and and unfortunately, he couldn't he couldn't score. Yeah, it just wasn't his day. But like I said, those finishes, those shots were th- three of them were just weak, you know, or they were just so low that it was and at such an angle that it would they were really easy for for Navas. I mean, not for any goalkeeper. If I were in goal, he would have scored. Of course, but this is Kaylor Navas. He's a good goalkeeper. World class. Like, yeah, he is world class. So for him, those shots were were easy saves. And and the thing that I kept noticing was how they were just on the ground and pretty easy to get at. And then the one time he tries to put some height on it, it was pretty early on. He he put way too much height and it just sailed right over that. And that was actually I think his clearest um, chance. Right. He it was really just him and Navas. No defender. He had beaten everyone. It was just him and Navas, and he just hit it poorly. You know, those were about, what, in the first half, about four opportunities he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, at, at least you could have got one plus Messi's PK, you know, his, his goal, then a PK. We we could have been right in it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Barring Longlet's stupid error. Um, <laughs> you know, the, and that error, I'm like, dude, like, you can't be that stupid, you know? If you play defense, you know, when, when, you're, when you're running back behind somebody – like you have to watch his feet because you're gonna freaking hit the dude, and that's what happened. There's no excuse. Like, come on, you know. I, now I see why people want to sell him, but even then, he's he's 25. You know, I remember about four, three years ago, Piquet had a horrible, horrible season. We didn't sell him. We stayed with him, and I think we're gonna we're gonna stay with Clement. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think he could he could fix these uh, these issues, but maybe not in the the stream of a season. There's another aspect of this uh, game, which includes Dembele, but uh, other young players as well, which is, you know, given the position of the club, right, we assume Laporta is going to launch a new sporting project. I've really started paying more attention to the young players and how much playing time they're getting and how they're developing. And in this game, there were eight young players who appeared in this match. We had Mingessa, Dest, De Jong, Pedri, Dembele, Trincao, Ilaish, and Junior. And some of these guys have solidified a spot on the team obviously like De Jong, Pedri, Dembele but I do want to take a moment to focus on a few of the others like Oscar Mingessa presumably playing at center back in this game he had to cover Mbappe more than anyone else at least in the time that he played so he's covering right back as well as center back 
even though he played only 35 minutes, he led the team in fouls officially with four. Three of those were against Mbappe. One was on a corner kick. And he got a yellow card on one of them, which is why he was replaced by Junior Firpo so early on, I imagine. And then Junior only fouled Mbappe once. And personally, I like Minguez's game. I want to see him stick around and get a full promotion to the first team. But, um, you know, he couldn't do much better than Dest did against Mbappe in the first leg. He just had a different way of going about it, right? Uh, he went thug. He went the thug route, fouling Mbappe a lot. Whereas Dest, he went the route of letting Mbappe beat him a dozen times in the first leg. So how much do you think we'll see Mingessa once Piquet and Raujo are clear of injury? Oh, I think if, if you stick with a three-man back line, he's, he's going to stay. Uh, mm. Because he's so versatile. He's so fast. You know, and I think... Maybe that was a strategy, Brian. Maybe that was a strategy for for Oscarito to to punish uh, Mbappe, right? <laughs> to just yeah. keep it giving it to him, giving it to him, showing him that it's not going to be easy, right? It's almost like hockey when you're a defender. If you don't have penalty minutes, you're freaking worthless. And right. and Oscar just that's what you're getting paid for, man. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> if you're a defender, if you don't have yellows, what the hell are you doing? Like you you <laughs> you got to be thuggish. Like it comes with the tor- territory. Well, like that one foul, that one uh, where he got the yellow card, he was just holding Mbappe. And like, that's one of those things. That's such a defender's foul that you do where you you hold the guy back because, you know, if you don't, he's going to be in on goal and you take the yellow. That's part of that job. Right. And, and you know, you you start diving into the, the black arts, right? You start <laughs> stepping on his toes. You start, you know, elbowing. You know, I think you call it a chicken wing where you put that elbow right in his freaking kidney. Uh, you start <laughs> playing those little games to start to wear him down, right? And after a while, it's going to take its toll on Mbappe. He's just going to be like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just take it easy and start defending. You know, yeah. obviously they were looking to defend and counterattack, and they were looking to counterattack with him. And Oscarito was providing that defense and was forceful about it that I think it stymied them, right? The first half, they couldn't much do anything. Uh, I think it wasn't until the second half I see it, I seen Mbappe have a clear shot on Mott. Uh But by then, Oscar was already out and, and substituted. But I think he did an honorable job, and, and I wouldn't mind seeing him play more. He's so versatile. You know, yeah. he's a center back. He's fast, and uh, he's a right back. And, you know, as a right back, the, the only complaint would be his crossing uh, kind of sucks. But if you compare it to Dest, it's probably a little better. He crosses better than Dest. And, you know, you've led me perfectly into the next topic, which is Serginho Dest, who played this game essentially as a winger, right? He was replaced by Trincao on the wing in the 67th minute, and Trincao is objectively a better winger than Dest, right? Meanwhile, Dest played almost no defense in this game, leaving Mingessa and then Junior to deal with Mbappe more or less by themselves. And when we talk about his strengths, Dest, that is, they're usually the ones about him going forward, right? Not him as a defender. But in this match, he was, wasn't was doing much of that. He got replaced by a real winger. So he isn't a great winger, but he's also apparently not a great fullback. And meanwhile, Sergio Roberto, who's, of course, injured and has been for some time, he has appeared in every match he could have this season except one when Dest played it right back in the Classico last October. So a similar question as before. How much do you think we should see Dest once Sergio Roberto is clear of injury, also considering that Mingessa has that versatility to play either as a center back or a right back. I mean, if we have this guy who's essentially, you know, Dest, that is, being played as a winger or a fullback, but he's not great at either one, what should we expect to see once the full squad is healthy? You know what, Dest is what, 20, 20 years old? 
Yeah, he's 20. So mm. there's a lot of potential there. Right. I'm not I'm not mm. trying to um forget about that. But yeah, he's 20. So so what do we what do we expect going forward with him? He's 20, he's Dutch and Coleman's Dutch. <laughs> Let me think about so that. So as long one. as Kuman is the manager, he'll have a spot is what you're saying. I I, I think there's more potential in him uh than than Sergio Roberto. Rob, Sergi's a, a finished product, right? You know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get a mediocre right back, and you're going to get a mediocre midfielder, but you know, I I think Dash his one-on-one skills need to improve and he's trying. You can try. I think he's been, he was ripped like four or five times in the game cuz he gets too close and he gets ripped. But I think he needs to keep trying and eventually it's going to fall. And I think he hit the woodwork too, right? There's been like two games in a row where he's launched a monster shot from the right and it's either sailed long or it hit the woodwork. Um, so he is a threat and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him give give Desh more opportunities and seeing Mingueza be his backup. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I see that flushing out because uh, obviously you still have Emerson at Real Betis. So he's another guy who might be coming over. So we're going to be over, you know, we're going to be filled up at the right back position. When you think of Des, Minguesa, Emerson and Sergi Roberto, there's going to be an odd man out. Yeah, I mean, I'm always curious as to whether they're going to ever bring Emerson back from that loan. But if they do, then absolutely, we'll be we'll be flush at right back. That's for sure. But I believe you heard a rumor that Sergio Roberto might be on the uh, on the sale block this uh, this summer. Yeah, you know, I think it was last season where uh, Pep and Mancini wa- wanted him, right? Uh, mm. They were throwing about sixty million at him, and uh, we didn't want to sell him. So you know, fast forward to this year, his injury problems. We bought Dast. I mean, Wessa has has proven himself from Barca B to the the first squad. So we're short of cash. Right. We need we're freaking can't pay our bills. Uh, so I think that might be an opportunity to sell him at a, at a high price and, and get something for him. Yeah, I would hate to see him go personally. But yeah, I mean, you're my um, my crush slash crush affair with Sergio Roberto is well documented on this podcast. So well, that shouldn't documented. come as a surprise to anybody. But yeah, well documented. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so I, I would be a, I'd be sad to see him go. But at the same time, I, I completely understand. We do have a lot of strong and young midfielders who we're expecting to see blossom in the future. Whereas, like you said, Sergio Roberto is more of a finished product right now, whether he's at right back or midfield, we more or less know what we're going to get. And I mean, personally, I still think that it's a pretty good product. I think he's, slightly better than mediocre in the midfield uh i am willing to accept that maybe he's a mediocre right back but then again like i said he's the one he's still the one who plays when he's fit right not dust so that should count for something at least anyway uh i've i've i've, I've already gone on too long <laughs> about sergey anyway so let me turn to a couple final ones um elish he's really the only rising star among the other young players that appeared in this match, right? Because Junior, I suspect his days at Barcelona are numbered. And then there's Trincao, who is coming along, I'd say, but he's still not seeing the minutes he was earlier in the season. So if we compare just Elish with Trincao, let's say, who excites you more right now, Trincao or Elish? Oh, Trincao for sure. You know, oh. he's playing on the wing. He's he's more mobile. You know, I think that's one thing that stood out with Elish, right? When you compare him as, you know, he's he to me he seems like an eight, right? If we're talking about four three three, he's he's mm-hmm. an eight type of midfielder. And if I compare him to uh, Pedri, 
you know, you, you look at Pedri, he's freaking everywhere, right? He's he's on offensively, he's recovering on defense. You look at Pooch and he's like a little freaking bumblebee, mostly <laughs> offensive, right? And Frankie does a little bit of everything. Elish is very calm. Yeah. He's very calm and uh he's kind of slow, you know, he's 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 not as as fast as I would have thought. Uh, but he's like reading the offense. He he spends a lot of time reading everybody's movement, trying to position himself. And he, and he's a different kind of player. You know, he he doesn't bring out the excitement in me. He's more like a, a, he's 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 a smart player, positioning himself, positioning himself correctly, re- reading movement, reading passes, and trying to get himself in a spot where, where he can take advantage of his passing or assist to somebody or a shot, as we saw in that other game, right? Where mm-hmm. Trincao is a true freaking winger. He's an inverted winger on the right side. He's left-footed. Uh, you know, we've seen he, he could score some goals. Uh, he gets me excited. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather see Trincao. But they're different positions, though. So right, you can't right. kind of yeah, compare. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare them. It's not a positional comparison. It's more a question of, like, yeah, wh- in the position that they play, who excites you more, I guess, is the question, right? Trincao at right wing. Versus other right wingers or Elish in you know midfield as as an eight versus other potential eights. That's the that was the the hope for the question. I guess we could project it out, Brian. If we project these guys out, right? So if we if we project out Elish, like is Elish going to topple over Frankie's position or is Frankie going to move down to the six and then there's an opportunity for Elish, right? Because mm-hmm. Pedri's not going nowhere. He's a freaking right. stud, right? Totally. So then really it becomes Pooch and Elish battling for that extra midfield position, assuming Busquets starts transitioning out, right? Right, uh, right. So there's opportunity there. Trincao, well, we don't we don't have, you know, he'll probably be battling out with Dembele, right, if he sticks on the right side as a ringer, uh, assuming uh, we bring in a, a striker like Holland. Um, and I think that, that he's a good backup there, right? I think he's shown all season that he's a, a good backup winger on the right side. And sometimes he goes to the left side to provide crosses. But I think he's more effective as an inverted winger on the right side going in. Uh, he's not scared of taking that shot. Yeah, and uh, he had a couple of, of successes with that a uh, few games ago, a few weeks ago. And I felt like that was definitely kind of a a turnaround moment for him because he hadn't scored all season until recently. And once he did, it kind of like broke the seal and he immediately seemed like he was more comfortable. And I especially like seeing him on the right wing and Dembele on the left wing with a real center forward in the middle and then Messi in behind as the 10. That's, that's currently my ideal um, attacking setup. You know what? And that's a good point with, with Dembele on the left side, because I think now we've seen that he he's dominantly right-footed. And on the on the left side, he tends to go toward goal, where on the right side, he just goes down to the freaking goal line and just doesn't provide, you know, he's not effective. Uh, so if you have those two guys as a winger, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good, you know, front two wingers, and you drop Grease to the bench. That's that's pretty good, you know, and and seeing them both develop. What Trincao is what twenty, and freaking yeah, he's De- young too. Yeah, Debel is what twenty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, freaking- yeah, twenty. Yeah, he's twenty two. He's a year older than Mbappe. I just checked on that before we recorded. That's ridiculous, man. That's that's yeah. really really good, you know. Uh, so if Messi stays, then at least you have two. You know, you, you might see Coleman go back to a four two three one. 
to make use of everybody. Holland uh, as the point man, and then Messi roaming around as a 10 with these two wingers. And then you have uh, Pedri and Frankie playing the double pivot, right? That's freaking <laughs> beautiful, dude. Yeah, we're getting into that that time of the season, right, where we're already trying to like think about next season. And I'm reminded of uh, something Gabriel always used to say when we would do the show together, which is that, hey, dreaming's free, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just imagine Holland in there. Isn't it great? <laughs> Dude, I've seen those tweets and they, and they Photoshop Holland's head on some Barca uniforms. And I'm just like, oh, man, he looks freaking gorgeous. Love that blonde hair, bro. So, so your real answer to the question, who excites you more right now? It's Holland. Hell yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. He's my new man crush. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got to have one. At least, you know? If I'm going to lose Sergi, you you should get Holland. It's only fair. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's close out this episode. Um I just want to look at the two remaining competitions for Barcelona, Copa del Rey of course and La Liga. So they have 13 games remaining in the season, 12 in La Liga and then there's the Copa del Rey final. And the big opponents that they have left to play, not including Athletic Club in the Copa del Rey final. We've got Real Sociedad, then Real Madrid 3 weeks after that. The Copa del Rey final is going to be the week right after that one, the Clasico. And then in May, of course, they got Atletico Madrid. But first, Monday, this Monday, they have to get past Huesca. So <laughs> that's uh, you, know, you got to go game by game. And I have a wish list for this game, which is Elish and Ricky Puj both play. Barca keeps a clean sheet, and they win three points, obviously. So what about you? Do you have a, a sort of wish list? for like What would you like to see out of this game against Huesca? Um, I, you know... I it would be nice to get one of our defenders back, you know, either Araujo or Pique, uh, to come back against, you know, kind of a lesser team, right? Uh, that that gives them the opportunity to just see how their physical fitness is. You know, uh, that would be my wish, is one of them come back. The other would be that uh, Trincao gets some minutes on the right side. Mm, yeah. um, you know, I think I think he's due for a start, you know, and sometimes when 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 he knows he's starting, he puts in that that extra effort and comes out and attack like a freaking beast. Uh, I think that would be that would be nice to see for me. And hopefully we don't drop points. That's the big thing. Just get those three points and keep applying pressure on uh, athletic. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, I would love to see Trincao on the right. And I think you're right. I think he is due for a start. And against Huesca, this would be the perfect opportunity for it. So that's what we're going to be watching on Monday, and we'll be keeping an eye on this. Until next time, Visca Barça. Sports Social Podcast Network.